Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the fourth chapter, the 14th through the 21st verse. The reading is also in your bulletin. If you are able, please stand for the reading. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Jesus Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only who these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come to you in love and with gentle spirit? This is the word of the Lord. It comes, so I'm coming. <laughs> now it's time, now it's time. Um, good morning. So pray for me. I'm nervous, my nerves. Um, most people don't think I'm shy. And I wouldn't say that I'm shy, but I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit nervous right now. I have to just release that. So, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Um, excited because um, many of us have a favorite book of the Bible, if you will. Um, and it, for me, it was always James. James has been very practical. It's very, um, it's very kind of straight at you, um, kind of gives you some rules, but it's really practical. And so I've always liked James. But as I was studying um, 1 Corinthians, just this whole book, and just kind of been taking this journey, this is becoming a, a favorite for me. So uh, pray for me. Um, last week, uh, before we start, let's just bow for a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get into it. I know I have um, a time frame, and Joe, my, my time crew back there, he'll help me with that. Uh, I called a uh, pastor initially, and he said, I said, how long do I have? He said, 30 minutes. I said, okay. And how many pages is 30 minutes? And he said, it's, d it's, it's, it's six pages, double space, 14 font. <laughs> so I took my 14 pages that I had, and I had to shrink it down. For real, for real. So I'm down to eight. Like I, there was so much stuff. I'm down to eight, and I'm going to... I'm just going to speak fast. I really tried. Um, but I think, you know what it's for? It's because the verse is in there. It's a long verse, right? So anyway, let's bow. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you um, for the people that are here, Lord. I ask that you just use me, Lord, as an instrument, as a vessel, Lord. Just speak through me, Lord. Please let the words, um, just the gospel that I share, just the message, Lord, let it fall on, on, on ears, Lord. Um, you, you will provide the water. You will provide the, oh, you'll provide the increase, Lord. Um, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So this last um, couple of, I guess, uh, sermons that we've been kind of talking about have been um, kind of journeying through 1 Corinthians. And um, last week, just a quick little baby recap. Um, really, with, with in chapter 4, 6 through 13, Paul is addressing the church of Corinth, and he's addressing them because of their arrogance, um, their pride, um, their, uh, their, their haughtiness, their haughty spirit, and some, some dissension. And he does it kind of in a sarcastic way 
in some of that. He's challenging them, but he's kind of being sarcastic, and it's purposeful. He wants to say, oh, so you think you're this, but we're just this. And he, I don't want to go all through that, but if you go back and study 4, 6 through 13, you'll see kind of what I'm talking about. Before we move forward, though, I think it's, um, I really want you guys to kind of journey with me and be thinking about Paul's example um, to the church of Corinth um, of how a pastor effectively disciples or stewards his flock into Christ-likeness, um, and also to be thinking about our role in that, because while the pastor is, um, is our example, we are all really responsible um, in that as well. So when I say that, I say that even though we have a pastor who does shepherd the flock, we as, let's say, the flock, we are also responsible um, to, to shepherd others and to care for others' spiritual welfare as well. So be looking for that. Paul's example. Paul's example. Um, several books, um, and I won't go through all the verses, but there are several books, First Peter, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Acts. They describe the role of a pastor and someone who teaches, as someone who teaches and preaches the word to those in your midst. So we're not talking about like a, the TV churches that we're used to right now that are coming up. We're talking about shepherding a flock in your midst. Um, and it's important because um, you have to be able to pour into you have to have relationship. When we see Joel Olstein, it's great. I mean, there's some stuff. We see T.D. Jakes, and he's great, and he can share the gospel. But in terms of um, relationship and continuing to connect and them having accountability and you with them, that falls to the wayside. You need to be shepherding the people that are in your tangible midst. And so that's what Paul is, is talking about. And so um, that's the first thing, teach and preach. The second thing a pastor should be doing is to protect the church from false leaders and to also exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine. So all three of these things, teach and preach, protect from false teachings, and then to exhort and admonish sound doctrine, okay? So Paul took this role as steward very seriously. Um, he established and followed the church in Corinth, um, and when he was hearing about the things that were going on in Corinth, it greatly, it grieved him deeply. And so um, it's important, and I'm a big believer in terms of background and context, but it's important to really understand what was going on in Corinth. And so Corinth, um, it was situated, um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but in the isthmus, if you will, isthmus, isthmus. And so the whole point is that it was a, it's a piece of land that was really a thorough way for many. So many, in order to conduct their business in Corinth, um, you, had to, so you had to go through this. So Corinth, its location, it was a prime location, because of its location, because of uh, it was a, um, a conduit, if you will, a travel way. So imagine if you um, owned the I-5 freeway or you owned the 99 freeway and you can charge a fare. Like you go to the Bay Area, whoever owns that, that's a conduit. And that's the only way you can travel through. So um, the, 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 ec the economy was wonderful. It was a, um, a trade city, a market city. It was a cosmopolitan city in terms of their lifestyle. So what is cosmopolitan? Cosmopolitan is like um, just um, very diverse in terms of culture. People would come far and wide. And you have to imagine, if you're coming to this Corinth, you're coming from everywhere to do your trade, so you had to come from far and wide. Once you're there, there's many cultures. Um, there, the lifestyle there, it was, it was simple. It was simple. There was um, sexual immorality, and it was celebrated. It was okay for any kind of sexual immorality you're thinking of, incestuous stuff, um, homosexuality, um, prostitution. They even erected, um, we know about Aphrodite, right? They, they erected a great temple on the hill um, 
where they say thousands of prostitutes would gather and they would do their business. And it was okay. You do what you do. And it was kind of a place where it's like, you do you, I'll do me. All is well. Um, we can all get along. And no one um, treads, if you will, on, on me because it's okay. So it's celebrated. Um, in terms of the idolatry, God's little G, there is many. Again, we have people coming from everywhere, so they're bringing their gods from everywhere too, and it's all good, you can come here. And, and I want to I draw the parallel of Corinth to something like Las Vegas, something like um, New Orleans, something like Sacramento. And not necessarily way back, but today. Um, the things that I mentioned, it's alive and well today. We, we worship little gods, we, we um, condone sexual immorality, um, and, and lifestyles, uh, it's, it's a cosmopolitan city. We have a very diverse city. So with that, Paul's work in Corinth, um, it intimately involved the church. Um, it wasn't the flat screen TV, like I was saying, flat, flat screen church, if you will. Um, the lifestyle was negatively impacting the church, and it grieved Paul deeply. They were bickering amongst each other, and they were aligning themselves with their favorite leaders. We talked about this. I'm a role with Apollos. I'm a role with Cephas. I'm a role with... Pastor Mark. But he said, wait a minute, y'all. Let me bring you back. And this is what was concerning for him. It's not about Paul. It's not, or it's not about Paul, Cephas, any of them. It's about Christ. We were just the conduits. We were just the instrument in which he used to share the gospel, that message, to, it, to bring someone into salvation. But we are, not, we are not the God, okay? So, so far in 1 Corinthians, Paul focused on many divisions and the cause of the divisions among Christians in the church. And now, as we move forward into these next verses, we're going to close up chapter 4. We're going to move basically 14 through 21. It's going to wrap it up. And this is kind of a tee-up into 5. It's going to get good in, in, in 5. 5 is when he's going to be giving it to you. That's the James, if you will. <laughs> he's going to be bringing it. And it's going to cut. And he's going to have to, to really, he wants to tell some truths, and they're kind of hard. And so this, this next, these next seven verses or so, he's really trying to lay some foundation um, reiterate uh, his love for them because I got some hard stuff to tell you and I want you to know that I love you and the place that it comes from before I get into the good stuff. So let's get started. 14. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how arrogant these people, how arrogant, how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Not of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Um, I'm going to just kind of flip this really fast. I'm going I'm to break these verses down, but I'm going to start with 15 instead of 14. Um, 15. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. And I just want to stop right there. Um, we're talking about, again, Paul and Paul's stewardship and really how he discipled um, his 
the things that he has steward over into Christ's likeness. That's the point. And so in order to, um, to do that, he had to be, he was their spiritual father. Paul was um, begetting, if you will, all these things. Someone and so, you know, the Bible, so-and-so begets, so-and-so begets. So he procreated, if you will, um, before he was a father of them. And why? How did he do this? He did it through the gospel. So by Paul sharing the gospel and erecting the church and kind of birthing the church in Corinth, he became their spiritual father. So, for instance, Pastor Meeks, if this was, if, if he is the instrument or the tool and he shared the gospel to you and through Pastor Meeks you were saved, he now is your spiritual father. And so he can be, he's the one that really should care for your spirit, has, he should be, he should be, um, shepherding your spiritual care, okay? Um, and so that's what Paul was doing. Paul had um, Onesimus. He called him a son. He had Timothy. He called Timothy a son. Um, he recognizes that his direct spiritual care for his children. This is something, and as I was studying in the Greek, they call it um, pedagogos. Pedagogos? Does that sound? You can correct me. But it's where we get the word pedagogy. And it means teacher, many teachers. But during this time, the Romans would hire their most elevated slave to be their, um, to be the, they'd go with their little boys and they'd take them to school, but they entrusted these Roman slaves to pour into their kids moral things, um, kind of teach them the ways of life. And so um, Paul's saying here, you might have 10,000 of those, but you only have one spiritual father. You have other everybody, everybody speaking to your left, right, and whatever, telling you it's all good. You can fornicate, it's not that big of a deal. You could do this, it's not that big of a deal. And Paul's saying, you can have all these folk around you. And obviously he's using hyperbole here. There's not 10,000. There could have been, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, you got all these people in your ear. Some might be telling you the right way, some might be telling you the wrong, but come on back. I'm, I'm your spiritual father. I'm the one that birthed you, if you will. So he's laying this foundation because, again, we're going to get to chapter 5. It's going to be some stuff. And he wants to, to create his legitimacy again. Like, yo, this is, you know, I'm the one. So that's, that's important. And Paul was hurting because so often sin separates the best of friends. And so he loved, these, he loved the church in Corinth. This is, I think it was strategic, and, and this is not anywhere in the Bible, so I don't want you to say that that's where I got it. But I think it was strategic in how this church was planned. It was beautiful that he planted this church in Corinth, and now you've got people coming from far wide, it's a hub, where everybody's going to go out like a spoke. Now the, the gospel for the ones that did believe can spread it organically now. They're going to be able to go back to wherever they came from in their travels before they come back again. They're able to now take that gospel and keep spreading it. And it's organic. They didn't have a TV, so I just thought that was kind of cool. I just thought, anyway. Um, so tell me, um, Paul's a steward over the spiritual, um, spiritual well-being of, of this flock. Has anyone ever dreaded having a difficult conversation? It's, it's, it's an appointment. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for some results to come back. Um, I'm nervous. It could be two or three weeks down the road. Um, I'm an employer. I have to talk to an employee about some deficiencies, and I want them to know I got to lay some foundation, and I got I to gotta talk to them right so they know that it comes from a good place. I'm a parent. I got to discipline my children. Um, I want them to know that I love them and it comes from a good place, but it's still difficult to have those conversations. And so, Paul, this was difficult. Um, so the first thing, um, it's important to bridge the gap and make sure the people that you're going to have these difficult conversations with know that you love them. So the first thing that I want to just bring up is godly communication. As a pastor, 
or, and, and insert yourself, I'm not going to call you a pastor, but ministers of the gospel, people that if you birth or procreate children because through you, you shared the gospel and now you can, uh, you have, your, their spiritual care is in your hands. You have to speak life. You have to say, um, hey, you are going left. And, and this is not for people who don't believe because we can't hold non-believers to this standard because they're non-believers. They don't have this standard. But for the ones that say, I'm a brother, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm a, I'm little, I'm a Christian, we need to be able to lovingly criticize and to be able to pour into them and, and to redirect. So, godly communication. I'm writing you this, I'm not writing this not to shame you, but to warn you. It's my dear children. So there's children. So, shame is not the goal. Shame wasn't the goal. Um, change was the goal. A change in behavior, right? And so, but, sometimes shame, or shame is the means to that goal. So, I looked up shame. Shame is discomfort. So you might have to make someone feel uncomfortable so that the word pricks their heart a little bit. So now I'm ashamed of what I'm doing. This ain't right. For change to occur, right? So he's saying, I'm not trying to shame you because I love you. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to admonish. I'm trying to tell you something. Listen. So Ephesians, Paul, for, or Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The things that Paul's about to share with the church in Corinth are good things. They're good things. So he's, again, laying the foundation, and he's preparing them, but it says, don't let corrupt words, this is the truth. He's about to share the gospel. He's about to share the truth in, in, in the terms of what the Lord expects. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 6, 7, because the Lord disciplines the one he, lo the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their fathers? Sin is not bad because it's forbidden, but it's forbidden because it's bad. And that's what Paul is trying to tell him. Um, the next thing, because Paul was their spiritual father, he makes this plea in verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So the next point I want to make is a godly example a sanctifying influence. Um, if we are, if we have, um, we're all stewards of the Gospels, the mysteries of Christ, or the mysteries of God. We, we read that um, earlier in 1 Corinthians about the mysteries of Christ. We're all stewards of that. We're to guard it, we are to share it, but um, it's imperative that um, we set godly examples. Um, this makes an effect, this is, this is perhaps probably one of the most important things, is godly example. This makes an effective discipler. People watch you. Just in your jobs, when people find out that you're Christians, don't they watch you a little closer? They want to know, okay, I want to see when she bumps her head on the wall, what's she going to do? I want to see when she goes through the vicissitudes of life, that's my, the word of the day, when she goes through that, um, I want to see what she says. I want to see how she reacts. And so that's an example, right? Um, it's, it's, it's almost like non-Christians know how Christians should act more than Christians. Because they're looking. They're like, wait a minute. They're like, I thought you were a Christian, Sister Stephanie. I thought you weren't supposed to listen to that music. I thought you weren't supposed to use that kind of language or watch those kind of television shows. Um, or you're not supposed to enter whatever that is for you, whatever that is. But they're watching, and it's imperative. Even if you don't, I believe it was uh, Charles Barkley. <laughs> he said... Back in, do y'all know Charles Barkley? I know. The little ones under, under 39. Well, Charles Barkley said, he said, I am not your children's role model. That's what he said. 
Well, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. Just by default, he is a role model, right? If you say you're a Christian, off the top, people are looking at you. You are a role model, and you have to rise up to that. You don't get to, to say, because that's another thing. Well, follow Christ. Don't, don't look at me. Follow Christ. You saved now. Don't look at me. I can do what I do. I can do, right? We are our brothers and sisters' keepers. We are. And, and if, the things, if the things that we do um, uh, affect our brother and sister, there's, pastor says, I love this, there's good and there's best. There's things that are okay and permitted. We're not going to talk about alcohol. We, we can go there and all these things. But I'm just saying that if it causes your brother or sister to stumble, then it's important that we watch that. Is it that important to you to lose them in this whole, in the way? Um, because you got to have whatever that is for you, insert. Um, so it's important. It's important. We have to be godly examples. Um, we need more men and women that consider how their choices affect other people's relationships with the Lord. Um, set good examples. Jesus told his disciples, his disciples, you are the light of the world. Salt and light. Right, Brother Nate? You are the light of the world. We are salt in this tasteless world. We are the light in this dark world. It's so important. So um, we are a brother's keeper. It's for this reason that Paul sends someone very, very close to him that knows exactly what needs to be done. What needs to be done to the church that has lost their way? To the group of people that have backslidden and have compromised. The good news is that you can have a church that goes off the rails, but if there's somebody speaking into their lives, praying for them, loving them, pouring truth into them, you can see people turn. You can see people change, renew their commitment, and follow after the Lord. So verse 17, it says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So Timothy, we all know, he was very, very close to Paul. He was the perfect man to send in Paul's absence. Paul was in Ephesus at this time. He had left. He spent probably about 16 to 18 months or so in the church of Corinth, planting. Um, tent, he was a tent maker. Um, I wish I could tell you about the whole tent making thing. It's really kind of cool about why they made tents and, you know, because they always, they had, anyway, they had the, the games, like kind of like our Olympic games. And so he was a tent maker and he had to make these tents for people to stay in from the Mediterranean. He, it was pretty cool to kind of know that. But anyway, um, Timothy. So he's in Ephesus now, Paul. He hears about all this shenanigans going on in the church that he planted. And he's not coming yet. He's handling some other business. But you know what? I'm going to send Timothy. He's going to handle it for me. So it's to this point that Paul is teaching the same thing across the board. This has to do with character, okay? He will remind you of my way of life, Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Um, one of the big things as a leader, um, as a pastor, as a person who um, is shepherding, and I'm not, and I'm not pointing it out as pastor, because I want you to understand the example. We still have that responsibility to shepherd others. So just the example is favoritism. Favoritism. If Paul was in Ephesus saying, well, it's all good. You can go on ahead, and you can go handle that girl. You can go whatever. But then he's in Corinth telling them, hey, 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 you can't do this. It's, he, it's not lining up. And they're going to think, yeah, what kind of leader are you? You're allowing them to do this, but you don't allow us to do it. And he's saying, I'm going to send you Timothy, He's going to be able to teach you the ways that I know in Christ Jesus as well and be able to impart those in my absence. And so it's important. If you are a, a, a leader or a person who's shepherding over someone, discipling someone, and the same standards don't apply to everyone, it will ruin your witness. It's going to ruin it. It's going to ruin it. 
So <clears throat> godly character. So for the steward of God, it's absolutely imperative to have godly character. Um, this is the person that does what they say they're going to do. So we know the people that are all T and no A. All talk and no action, right? Like, that's, that's a hypocrite. You say and talk all that mess, <laughs> but you don't do that. And that's, that's what a lot of us, that's what, the, that's what the world says about a lot of Christians, right? Because they, they say, mm-hmm, aren't, you're a Christian, but I thought y'all wasn't supposed to do enter what it is, right? Because we talk, that's what they expect. So, number 18, or verse 18, some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. So what is Paul saying here? Puffed up with pride. You've brushed off what I'm saying. It's like you're saying, yeah, right, Paul ain't coming. He's not going to do nothing. He's so far over there. It's 241 miles, by the way. I'm just figuring out. 241 miles. And he didn't got no plane, so Paul's not going to just turn around and come in, in 30 minutes. He's 241 miles away. So he's not. So they're like, he's not coming no time soon. We can act up. This is like the substitute. You know, like, you know when you have the substitute teacher? Right now, there's people, leaders, you got Apollos, you got Stephen, you got these people, but now um, pa- Paul, the, 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 the dad, he's gone. So what do, what, do the, what do the mice do when the cat's away? <laughs> they're standing on the substitute teacher turns around, that's the person that's throwing stuff. That's what they're doing, like, he ain't going to do nothing, we can kick it, he ain't going to do nothing. He's just talking way over there, but he doesn't have any power over us right now. And that's what they're doing. And that's important about, um, about pride. One of the most dangerous things in the Christian life is complacency. It's complacency, right? And let's think about the Lord's return and kind of insert the Lord where Paul is, but God's coming back, right? Jesus is going to come back and return. And when he does, if we're not, if we're not ready, it says he's going to come back like a thief in the night, right? We don't know when he's going to come. We don't, we, we have to stay ready. This is what I love is to stay ready so you don't got to get ready. You have to stay ready because when we're complacent, we start getting numb to the things of God and numb to the things of the world. Anything just goes. You, you're, you're, you're desensitized to sin. It's like, eh, I'm good. You don't have a fire and a zeal to, to, to do the right thing at all times because you think you got some time, and you, you, you don't. And so it's important, complacency. We say that we are Christians all day long, but if we don't have a lifestyle that backs it up, and we have, to, we have to ask ourselves, are we really Christians? And are we really saved? If someone were to say they're a police officer, and I'm just, it just comes to my mind. <laughs> if someone were to say, I'm a police officer, and you never see him in a uniform, ain't never seen a nary uniform on him, ain't never seen him in a patrol car, ain't never seen him um, at the station, you would be like, I'm trying to, I don't think they're really a police officer. They say they're a police officer, but they don't got a uniform, they don't have a car, they don't have police officer powers, they don't have any power. And I'm, I'm bringing this back. You say you're a Christian, but you don't have any power. And that's what they're talking about. It's going to keep going. Paul's going to talk about how you guys are all talk. But when I come back, I'm going to see who really has power. Because it's a sad thing in a Christian's life when all you have is talk and no power. Because that's the point, right? We should be having power. So 19. This is also, this is like the Facebook, Jamal always says the studio gangster. The Facebook gangster, that's what I'm going to say. The studio gangster's in the studio. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, the studio gangster or Facebook gangster, you be saying some mean, vile things. Like, I'm a mm, sin, you know? And it's like, because you're hiding behind this computer, right? Well, that's what they're doing. Paul ain't doing a nary nothing. He over there, and that's what they're doing. They're over there thinking that Paul's a Facebook gangster, studio gangster, and he's not coming. But he is, he is. So, 19, but I will come to you very soon. If the Lord is willing. This is something they always like to say. If, if the Lord will, I'll be back. It's got to be in his will. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, 
but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. Godly character is demonstrated when you are by yourself. Um, so we have the, the, the leader who also should be um, displaying godly character, but it's also um, the flock. This is when the substitute is gone. This is when we're waiting for the Jesus to return. What are we doing in our time? Because he's entrusting us. He's entrusting us. Are we piddling? Are we standing on the desk piddling because the substitute has turned her back? Or are we doing the right thing and what's expected of us? Because, and, and not being complacent. Staying on the ready is what they say. Um, that's a lot, it's a lack of godly character when we're not doing the right thing when no one's looking. That's about integrity and character. Uh, okay, and lastly, <coughs> oh, first of all, everything the Corinthians are relying on is physical and not spiritual. Um, they were excited about the, they had loud barks, they had power, they had money, they had all this, but they didn't have any power. It wasn't spiritual. They were just doing what they wanted to do. They were all, they were in, in, in indulging in this, the, the Corinthian lifestyle. Um, 21 says, what do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Paul plans to come. He does. He's saying he plans to come. He's going to deal with the situation shortly. Will they choose to do the things the easy way or the hard way, the right or the wrong way? Um, this is also the example of the kid at home. This is like an old leave it to beaver example, but I think it still holds necessary. When mom, the kid's acting up, what, uh, not listening, and mom says, okay, wait till daddy comes home. Wait till your dad comes home and mm, you're going to get it. And then dad calls. What did your mother tell me? What, did, what, what, what happened? And he says, if you don't get your act right, to act right, I might say, yeah, if you don't get to acting right, then um, I'm going to either come with a rod and spank you, or you can have a contrite heart and get it together, and then I'm going to come in love. That's what he's saying here. <coughs> Paul will be addressing some serious things moving forward in this letter, especially chapter 5. Um, Paul was an example of how to shepherd others into Christ-likeness. A pastor is an example of this, but we should all be doing this. We should be begetting or procreating others through the gospel. So as we share and as we disciple others, we are now um, taking care over their spiritual well-being. Um, we should love them. We should admonish and confront sin. And finally, we should be an example for others to follow. Our lives need to be visible and open. We must have an open life. Um, so they can see. I want to they, they need to be able to see your life and say, I want that. I want whatever that is. And it should be open. You should be in the midst of them, with them. Not the TV church, which is it's good, but in their midst, the people that are around you, pouring into them. And I'm going to go back to verse 17 just before I close. It's for this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in, in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, I really want you to hear this part because um, you really know that you've discipled someone and poured into them when there's a serious situation and you can send someone else and know they are a duplicate of yourself. That's what makes this passage to me really live because Paul has massive concerns about the church in Corinth. And yet he can send a duplicate in Timothy um, and that's the joy of ministry, to be able to say, well, pastor, I can't come, but I can send Tasha. Tasha can't come, but I can send Stephanie. Stephanie can't come, but I can send Sister Tracy. 
Why? Because he has been, he beget, he beget them. Then one other thing, too, you think about orphans, let's say, in this. Because maybe pastor didn't beget you through the gospel. You already heard it, you're saved. But now the TV church person, they're not pouring into you in terms of connecting and having relationships. So now you're an orphan, so now you find he begets you now through adoption now. And so now he still takes his spiritual care. So now he, but it's important because now he has, he, he begets you or procreated, if you will. Um, he loves you. He now can have power and legitimacy in your world to be able to exhort and admonish you and discipline you. Um, it's, it's, it's so important. A pastor, if a pastor can't come, um, it's important that he knows the people that he's discipled are going to pour the same truth of scripture. And this is what we're talking about, too, about stylized. A lot of pastors are like, well, that's just my style, the style that I do, and I want to put my little spin on it, and I want to da 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 But a good, faithful pastors and leaders, they all say the same thing, and it's the truth. When you start getting weird, like, caveats, I never heard that before, then you should run. You should. What does the word say? It's so important. What does the word say? Because we should be the same. Mark, Pastor Mark shouldn't be saying something different than what I'm saying because it's in the word. What does the word say, right? You're going to get people, that's an interesting spin, and that's just, well, that's, I never thought, in the theology, and the, we don't have our own theology. So, so Paul was able to send Timothy. Why? Because he begot Timothy through the gospel. He poured into him, and now he was able to send a duplicate. He said, I can't come. But that, that's okay. I'm going to send someone else who's just like me, who I trust fully, to be able to pour and redirect, and redirect, re pour into you, redirect you. So when I do come, I'm going to see. He says, um, I, wanna, I feel like it's going to be in, in, in Corinthians uh, 11 or something. He's going to say, when I come, I'm coming with the raw. I'm coming. I'm going to confront when I get there. I'm going to call you out, and we're going we're gonna to turn this whole place around. I'll be there. And he's going to get all the, 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 the wicked people out of there. He's He's serious. He can't come now, but he's able to do it, and that's the joy of ministry, to be able to shepherd others, um, pour into them through the gospel, become their spiritual, and because women, we can do it too. You can be their spiritual father and be able to pour into them, and now they, they're under your care in terms of you being able to have legitimacy in their world and be able to say, hey, you know what? What you're doing, you, you're a believer. That's not right, sister. It's not right. I love you, and because we have relationship, it's not going to be cool if someone can just come off the street and tell you what you're not doing because you don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship. It's so important to have relationship. And so that's what Paul did here. That's the joy of ministry, to be able to duplicate yourself and to be able to send them out and be able to beget others through the gospel. Thank you.